When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a very good morning, everyone. Great to have your company. No Jimmy today on the show and go, but two fantastic people. Drew Mitchell, a very good morning to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's right. Our, our regular tragic in Jimmy Galvin is away. He's actually on, in Thailand this weekend having some much-earned R&R after the, the Aqua Rugby uh, happened earlier on uh, in March. And replacing him... He's a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show. He's a regular caller and texter into the show. <laughs> but he's a former Waratah and he's a former Brumby and he's also a former Premiership winning Sydney Sydney City Rooster, Peter Playford. Pete, good to have you, mate. <laughs> mate, what an intro. Yeah. I well, think also sitting in the same den as where Fletch sits, I can smell success. Well, you know what? Speaking of Fletch, I had a day out with Fletch yesterday at the races. Uh, myself, Brian Fletcher, Andrew Johns. <laughs> yeah, that, so if, if there's a bit of raspiness, a bit of gravel in my voice, you could understand why. <laughs> no, I can imagine. But let me start, start off by saying it's a real honour to uh, to sit in the shoes of Jimmy. Uh, as I said, I'm a long-time listener and first-time co-host. So I'm <laughs> Mate, you to are. Today. Mate, no, it's great to have you. And look, we're going to get straight off uh, with the tight five, the, the, the five biggest stories in rugby this week. And we're going to start with the upcoming Super Rugby Round. It's, it's almost like the first part of the season is coming to a close where Australian pl- teams are playing Australian teams, Kiwi teams are playing Kiwi teams, with also the inclusion of Moana Pacifica over New Zealand and Fiji and Drua here in, in Australia. But just on the horizon, we've got the Super Rugby Round where we start seeing the crossover, the Australian teams playing the Kiwi teams. It's going to be a huge weekend in Melbourne, the weekend of the, uh, the Anzac Day weekend, and t- six games, three doubleheaders. And we'll start to see an understanding of where our Aussie teams are sitting in relation to the Kiwi teams. Yeah, look, I think you can see at the the midpoint of the season, the Brumbies are on top, you know, only dropped one game against the Reds. But I think compared to last year, it's a much different feel for the Australian teams. Look, the Waratahs are up there, the Reds are up there and the Brumbies. So I think we're in a much better position, but it's the unknown, isn't it, Drew? Well, look, it, it certainly is. And when you look at the, the Kiwi side of things, Crusaders are always strong, the Hurricanes, the Blues as well. And even the Highlanders, they got their first win over the weekend, which we'll, we'll cover in the Super Rugby Wrap uh, later on in the show. But they've lost three games within the seven-point margin, the bonus points. So even though the, some of their teams aren't getting the results, they're also putting in some pretty tough performances as well. So there's, there's a lot to look forward to, but also we might get a, a bit of a, an awakening as to where we really sit in this Super Rugby Pacific competition. And then the next thing in the tight five, Another good friend of the show, James Slipper, playing 150 games over the weekend. He just doesn't stop that guy. Look, I played 20 and my body's erect. So you can imagine <laughs> James Slipper playing 150 in the front row. Yeah. What an achievement. Oh, look, and he's just he's just the ultimate team guy. Um, you know, he's obviously gone through some stuff through his career and he, he has sat out for a couple of years. He came back and he's still going, uh, not just for the Brumbies, but for the Wallabies as well. I think the... The time where effectively Brad Thorne shifted him on and he went down to the Brumbies and he's just 
almost reinvented himself in terms of like his enthusiasm for the game and, and just outside of footy, we've had him on the show and he just talks about how content he is away from football and, and how happy he is and how that's transferable onto the field. Look, Drew, you, you were lucky enough to be one of few to play 100 Super Rugby games and what kind of emotions will he be going through playing 150? Uh, look, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get that far, but I, I think it's just one of those things where knowing slips like I do, he won't necessarily hold it too much in, in high esteem in terms of a, a personal milestone just yet. It'll be something he reflects on later. And I think it's more just, it's testament to, to him being able to adapt as well, because having played 150 games, playing for different teams, he was at the Reds and also the Brumbies, different coaches, different setups, different players coming through, uh, you know, being a young guy into that sort of middle kind of position in a squad into now being a veteran. There's just so much adaptation that you have to take on and still find a way to be your best self on the field, but also off the field as well. So I, I think it's, um, look, it's, it's a great achievement, um, but not just what he's doing on the field. I think it's more so as well, the evolution of James Slipper as a, as a young bloke coming through to now being that veteran player. And um, yeah, I'm sure at some point, it, once he gets the opportunity to sit down and stop, He'll be pretty proud of himself. And he's crucial to Wallaby hopes uh, in the World Cup next year as well. So plenty more to come in terms of games. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll tell you what, the next one in the type five is the Fijiana. The ladies from Fiji, Fijian and Drua, clean sweep of the Aussie teams. Who which, saw that coming? Which was a shock, huh? Because yeah. I've been watching them on the seven circuit and they're getting much better. But to come out here and really, really stake their claims in that competition, which has been highly dominated by the Waratahs for so yeah. long. So to, to have a clean sweep is a, a good addition to that competition. Well, they served up the Waratah ladies their first ever loss in the Super W. So, look, there was whispers about this Fijiana team being um, competitive, but I don't know if anyone necessarily saw this coming in terms of the domination that they've had over every team that they've played each week. They're certainly going to be in the, the, the final of the Super W at Super Round down in, uh, in Melbourne, the one that we just spoke about. And it looks like it's going to be against the Waratah ladies. Going on form, they, uh, they had a pretty convincing win over the, um, over the Reds over, on, over the weekend. And it looks like that's what's going to be the final. Well, a bit of competition for, uh, for the Waratahs. So hopefully they can go back to back to back to back. But I think they're up against it, against the Fijiana team. Look, and the, the next one in the Type 5, this is pretty big. And there was, there was an article from Christy Doran over the weekend. And I've also you know, done some digging and, and, and I've come to understand that Tom Banks is signing a deal in Japan pre-World Cup to go and play uh, for, one of the, for one of the teams up there. Um, it hasn't been reported as to which team just yet, but it looks like there's, it's, a, it's an offer he just can't refuse. It's so high compared to what he can get offered here at the, the Wallabies. Um, and we're going to lose effectively the super rugby in, within Australia, the best informed fullback at the moment. He's going to take up his trade in Japan before the World Cup. Look, Drew, it's pretty indicative of the market in terms of business and rugby, right? The offers going out there for both sides is quite huge. But I feel that if you want to keep someone, you will. And I'm, uh, I'm not a huge Tom Banks fan at the Wallaby level. I think mm-hmm. at a super rugby level, he plays uh, a really good style of footy, but he's yet to really stake his claim on that Wallaby jersey. And with the likes of Kirtley Bill coming back, um, who is another good friend of the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's. I think he can see that the the writing's on the wall. And as I said, if the Wallabies really wanted to keep him, I think they could have. Look, it's it's one of those things. Right, the last couple of years, Tom Banks has definitely been the form fullback in Super Rugby Australia. 
without without a doubt. But then when he gets in the gold jersey, I, I think in some ways he looks really comfortable playing the Brumbies jersey because he knows he's got that position down pat. You know, that, that's his that's his jersey every week. Doesn't matter if he has an off night, he's still going to get it the next week. Whereas when you go into the Wallabies, you're always worrying about maintaining that selection. I don't feel like he plays in the Wallaby jersey with as much freedom. And so when he sort of jams up, you don't see as much as you see when he plays for the Brumbies and, and he's not playing with that confidence necessarily or that freedom to go out there and express himself like he does for the Brumbies. And, and that's, I guess, something that not all players can do, but also maybe it takes some time. And, and I, I think, I mean, he's obviously he's, he's involved in Dave Rennie's squad at the moment and I would think that he'd get a chance against England in July. Um, and it's probably his last chance to really stake his claim for that, that Wallabies number 15 jersey. But then with the new... Uh, Gido law uh, restrictions and and so so forth. We don't know necessarily who, how many uh, Dave Reed is going to pick. Uh, Mariki Korombete apparently is going to be one of those players. Uh, is it going to be Quade Cooper? Is it going to be Samu Karevi? Is it you know Skelton Arnold? All these guys are playing overseas. I mean, I've spoken about it a number of times. I don't like that restriction. Um, but players like Tom Banks going away might start to make Dave Rennie and the rugby Australia look at it again. Look, I think people have to understand, and, and I was fortunate enough to play Super Rugby, but never never had the mindset to play for the Wallabies. And that difference, that transition from being you know, a good club player to being a good Super Rugby player to being a good Wallaby, it, it's, it might seem small, but it's huge. Mm. And I feel that you know, if the end goal is to win the World Cup, then these decisions by the Wallabies, they're calculated. Yeah. So as I said, if they wanted to keep him, they would have. But I think all the best for, for Tom Banks. If there's money on offer... Rugby's a short period, so make make most out of it. It certainly is. And the last of our tight five is Pete Playford presenting the jerseys to the Uni Colts yesterday. Talk me through that, mate. Yeah, look, I was offered by uh, a good friend of mine, Dan Parks, who's now the Colts director, to come and present the jerseys, which isn't a a thing I take lightly because, you know, we're given this position to try and impart our wisdom to these these young kids. But I think I was the first jersey presenter not to watch the game. Oh, because wow. I, uh, Just I gave to, the jerseys and off you went. Well, I had to go to Bunnings. So yeah, I had of course. A, a busy afternoon. But um, yeah, and, I, and I've, I'm have i three from three in terms of my winning. So they had a good win against Ramwick, which I think was a top of the table clash early in the season. But no, it's a real honour being able to give back uh, to the grassroots and also um, understands how, uh, how old you are. <laughs> mate, mate if, if you're three from three with jersey presentations, perhaps we need to get you into the Wallabies and you know on on each of the the Bledisloes this year and and give out the jerseys and make sure that we we finally bring that that cup back because it's been a long time. It has been a long time. Yes, uh, it has been. It's fourteen past ten. We'll take a break. Back with more of the show and go in just a sec. Yeah, it is the show and go on this Sunday morning. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the phone number, or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Time for this. Time now for the Super Rugby Wrap on the show and go. Yeah, that's right. It's the time to wrap up the weekend's footy in Super Rugby Pacific. And it was kicked off on Friday night with the Highlanders versus Moana Pacifica. And the Highlanders get their first win of the season. We said it already. They've been putting in some pretty impressive performances, but not getting the rewards that they've been chasing. But it finally came on Friday night. 37-17 victors over Moana Pacifica. A lot of their tries coming off the back of a pretty strong driving mall. And Moana Pacifica... Their ill-discipline hurt them again. And then on Friday night, we had the Force playing the Rebels in a really tight one. The Rebels getting up right at the end, 22-21. We've got James Hansen we're about to talk to who can give us 
some insights on that. But I'm a bit surprised about this result. I thought the Force uh, are a better side than that. But we'll get some insights from Chiba. Yeah, I mean, look, it was that one came down to the wire. There was a, a number of cards. There was red cards. There was yellow cards. And, was, you know, obviously the team's having to adapt and, and, and try and manage those situations. And it was the Rebels that really just hung on in the end. And then, um, yeah, so that was, it was look, it was a... It was a tough clash and it was a, not much sort of separating those two sides. And then going over to New Zealand on Saturday afternoon, wasn't this just a great game? The Hurricanes versus the Crusaders. Crusaders victors 24-21. Uh, Adi Savia, captain of the Hurricanes, he's come out and he's asked for more accountability, yeah, accountability basically from the referees and just sort of said, you know, like he's, he's not doing his job as a leader of, of his men. If he doesn't sit there and, and question some of the, the decisions at the end and the accountability around those decisions, because, uh, there was, there was one in particular that he thought they should have gone back and had a look, a look at referee wasn't having a bar of it. Didn't want to go up to the TMO and effectively denied the hurricanes an opportunity to win that game. And what, what's your thoughts on, on players like Adi Savir coming out and, and not doing it necessarily in a rude way, but just asking for accountability on some of the uh, officials. Look, I think from uh, the way he said it was, was spot on. And I think we have to demand the best from everyone because I feel that the fairness is that a player will sit there in the media and behind closed doors and get held accountable. Mm. And I think it should be the same for the referees. The challenging thing is that if we keep holding them accountable, will there be enough of them in yeah, the future? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think... It's more about exactly how you do it, right? Mm. And and not not doing it to to offend or to to belittle or whatever it might be. But yeah, it's being constructive and and, and effectively what we're we're getting from players and coaches as well. And the next one, Pete, uh, the Blues versus the Chiefs. So the Blues had a big win here, twenty five nil. I enjoyed it because there was some really good involvement by the backs. They've got mm. an electric backline. Oh yeah, can they go back to back? That well, is the question this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big one, right? I mean, Bowden Barrett now back at 10. You've got two of us, Shek, to come back as well. He'll be a big inclusion once he's back from injury. Uh, Rico Ioani's in form, Caleb Clark, um, Talia as well. There's just so much firepower in that blue side. So if they can get at least parity up front, and you've got a nice guy in Bowden Barrett steering the ship around, then they're definitely going to be a problem. And then uh, the Drua. And Drua versus uh, the Brumbies. Brumbies too strong. 33-12 victors over the Fiji and Drua. And the Super W, Waratahs girls, way too strong for the Reds. 46-0. And Fijiana, 17-7 victors over the Brumbies, ladies. And it's now... Look, this is a really exciting time for the show because it's a great friend of the show and a great friend of both of ours on the line, James Chibba Hansen. Chibba, thanks for, thanks for taking some time on your Sunday morning, mate. Hey fellas, yeah, no, it's good to uh, good to be on the show, mate. So finally got a bait. Yeah, <laughs> finally got a bait. Maybe just just saving it for the the biggest sporting weekend of the year. We needed to get the best yeah. guest on. So James Chibber Hanson, that is you, mate. How'd you pull up after a pretty tough uh, win against the Force on Friday night? Oh, mate, it was it was good. There was a few sore bodies getting around, but I think it makes it a bit sweeter that we were on the uh, the right side of the ledger. It was um, yeah, we we literally got got off the field packed up and um, we're on the red eye back home. So back home in Melbourne, back home in Melbourne, F1 <laughs> Grand Prix weekend. What do you got on for the today, mate? Yeah, they, um, yeah, we got back five o'clock yesterday morning and I had a big day at F1 planned, but little one woke up as soon as I walk it, walked in. So I was on daddy daycare for, for most <laughs> of it. So it was a uh, tough old stint, but um, no, it's, it, 
we're out and about at the moment and the the town's going off. It's um you know, obviously a lot of sport going on in Melbourne at the moment. I think it's everyone's sort of building up towards the super weekend in in a couple of weekends' time as well. Mm. Now, Chipper, it's Pete here, and, and it's no coincidence that as soon as I get on the show, you get in, right? But uh, a question for you, mate. I don't want to make you feel old, but you've played over three different uh, decades. What are you noticing in the difference? You've played in the 2000s, the 2010s, and now you're in the 2020s. Yeah, mate. It's, um, <clears throat> it's and, and to be able to play with you as well, Pete, back in <laughs> with the Rep and Rebels back in 2007. Um, yeah, look, man, I definitely feel feel old when um, the average age at the moment in the team is probably something like 22 um, but uh, I think I think the biggest change is just the physicality is just just keeps somehow just improving year after year like the guys that get getting bigger faster stronger like you see guys like Tanya the Tom and Thor mm-hmm. like it's just ridiculous the way he's built and the way he moves is, is, um, is pretty crazy and they're just popping up everywhere now Mate, you're one of the older fellas in the squad these days. So, how do you relate to some of these young fellas? Like, what do you talk about when you're in the sheds? Yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely interesting trying to get on the same level as them when they're talking about Twitch and live streaming. <laughs> do and you, all, all your TikTok dances? You have to scratch your nose. <laughs> Twitch yeah, yeah, after yeah. a big night. It's it's uh, it's a struggle to keep up with the trends, but um, yeah, not yeah, it's 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 been good, mate. They, they keep you youthful and and uh, keep the legs going. And, and Chipper, we mentioned that you were over in WA on, on Friday. Rugby, a, uh, rugby in WA is, uh, you know, it's had its fair share of, of challenges and now it's really back in its, uh, in its full strength. What was the vibe like there on the field and, and around the town? Uh, around the town, they, they seem to be obviously a few months behind everyone with the whole COVID situation. They're still sort of in their, in their pretty big lockdowns. But, um, you know, I think, Rugby-wise, it seemed like you know the crowd was pretty energetic, and it was good to see a, a decent crowd there. And they're just looking; I think they're enjoying having live sport back and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's good, mate. They're um, obviously it's always a bit of a grudge match from you know 2017 when yeah. the teams sort of merged. So there's always a bit of bit more competition in that game. Mate, let's jump on the Rebels at the moment. Not quite getting the results that you're, you've been after consistently consistently over the course of this season so far. So where's the improvement for you guys moving forward? I think the the big one is just building the confidence now that we've we we started off like you said um, pretty scratchy. We uh, we sort of didn't quite click in any of the parts of the game. Like our our attack, we sort of knew what we wanted to do, but it wasn't quite happening. Um, everything was there. When you look at the reviews, everything's sort of there. And we've just finally sort of started to piece it together. Whether that's combinations or, you know, a few guys coming back from injury and, and, and whatnot. But um, it's starting to build, which is which is exciting because we all know that, you know, these, these Aussie matches have been super tough. But as last year, when we learnt against the Kiwi teams, it steps up another level. And Shiba... Serious question. You've played uh, across a number of decades, as I said, and across a number of continents. Had many coaches, but what's the best bit of rugby advice you've ever had? I feel like this is loaded. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it a, a Sydney Stars coach once told me um, just how to throw straight is just use a ruler. Just think of a ruler. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> and you just throw straight down the line. It's that easy. And, and, and has that stuck with you and has it worked? 
Um, yeah, I, sometimes I have to go back to the drawing board and, and call up call up the coach and just you know, <laughs> revisit that theory because um, you just forget about it sometimes. You, you, you think about not throwing it straight, so it brings you back to it. Now, Chib, you're a Queensland boy. Uh, you obviously got your beautiful family down there in Melbourne. Uh, but what's what's next for James in the next few years and, and with your career, mate? What's you going to end up back in Queensland? Or are you going to go overseas? Are you going to stay at the Rebels? What's what's happening? Yeah, not too sure yet. Look, we're, we're taking it a year at a time. Um, similar to what we did last year, we sort of got back from the UK and uh, you know, just put everything into that season with the Rebels and doing the, the same thing here. So... Um, yeah, we've got a little two-year-old Penelope, and we've got another one on the way. Actually, we've got in June, August, oh, little awesome. little boy. Well so we um, that's going to keep us busy for the next little bit. It sounds like you've been and, busy, uh, <laughs> productive yeah. on and off the field. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, getting plenty of practice in. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what's um, the next little bit. All right, Chief mate. Thanks so much for taking some of your time out on Sunday morning before. You head out trackside and uh, and check out the F1. But, mate, great to chat to you, and, and thanks for checking in, and hopefully we'll, we'll chat to you again throughout the course of the year. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Cheers, mate. Bye. James Hansen here on the show and go. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the phone number, or 0457 736 736. Back right after the news. Welcome back to the show and go one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. You can text 0457 736 736 with Peter Playford and Drew Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back to the show. And Pete, look, it's it's no surprise that when you come in to co-host for your first time that we get arguably the biggest star in this sort of region in rugby on the show. Dan Carter, he's coming up. Look, as you said, it's no coincidence. We get <laughs> we get two of the goats. In James Hansen yeah. and Dan Carter. And what an honour this is. And I think it's the turning point of the show, to be honest. Mate, it could be. And, and look, I, I texted Jimmy. He's over in Thailand at the moment. I think Koh Samui at the moment. And just sort of said, mate, just letting you know that we've um, we've got things covered. We've got Dan Carter coming on the show in your absence. And he's actually, look, he's pretty gutted, to be honest. Jimmy's like, he's upset that he's missing this chat. Would you would you go as far as saying that after today, it could be the Jimmy Pete Andrew show? Or it could be the, the show and go with Pete and Drew. We might just like get rid of Jimmy altogether. But look, I uh, obviously had many encounters against Dan Carter throughout my career, um, both at Super Rugby level and uh, Wallaby level, uh, international level, but also up uh, in, in the top 14 as well, um, Toulon versus uh, Racing when he was up there, playing up there. Um, had some great times on the field, had some really good times off the field as well. And um, look, he's just he's an all-round great guy. And that sort of brings us to what he's been up to uh, in the last couple of days. Dan Carter's been doing a 24-hour kickathon challenge for UNICEF. He's a UNICEF ambassador and uh, and he does a lot of things away from the field to help um, everyone, really. This, I think I'll, I'll let him kind of go into to like what the, 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 the fundraising is going to, but it's basically for sanitation of water and that type of thing for, for kids in the Pacific. But I think we've got Dan Carter on the line. D- DC, are you there, mate? Drew, mate, oh, jeez, made my day. You, you pumped up my toes like that, mate. Bro, you, no, you, mate, you've made our day, and perhaps you've even made our show. You might <laughs> you might have actually given us a little bit of credibility. Thanks so much for, for spending some of your Sunday with us, bro. Oh, no worries, mate. Um, I've been doing a bit of media recently. I just um, finished a 24-hour kickathon, or I did two days ago, and I did a lot of media during that 24 hours. But you're actually the smart one. You let me sleep for two days, catch up, and actually my brain's functioning properly now <laughs> so I can actually have a proper a proper interview. Mate, 
you, you talk about your brain functioning, but how are those hips, bro? Like 24 hours of goal kicking. I mean, look, we've had, we've had some some big nights. Not, ne- never 24 hours, but but how how did you pull up after that, bro? 24 hours sober and just kicking goals. <laughs> uh, my 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 hip flexors hate me uh, at the moment. They're um they're screaming at me. They're a bit tight, but honestly, I'd I'd do it again um, in a heartbeat. It was just so worthwhile. I really wanted to to bring my two passions together. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is obviously kicking, something I've always done ever since I was a little kid. And the other one, giving back to, to kids in need. Um, so when I finished, I've been a UNICEF ambassador for about seven years and seen the incredible work that they do for kids all over the world. But I always wanted to do more. And um, with my rugby schedule, I couldn't. But having retired last year, I was like, right. So I yeah. set up my own fund called the DC10 Fund. And I partnered with UNICEF and then I handpick which UNICEF projects that I want to advocate for, um, raise money for. Um, so with that, I was like, right, I'm going to have a fundraising event. Now, the UNICEF project that I did pick, I wanted it to be close to home. So yeah. um, our, our neighbouring brothers and sisters in the Pacific Islands, um, I, I learned about a few different projects that they were doing over there. There's one that really st- stuck out for me. Something that my children just take for granted, and that's having access to clean water for drinking, um, for hygiene, washing, whatever it is. Now, hygiene-related diseases are one of the leading causes of death for children under five in the Pacific Islands. So um, it's called the WASH program. So yep. I want to raise as much money for the WASH program. So I thought, righto, I'll um, kick goals for 24 hours in the park. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I finished that on Friday night, and, mate, we... Managed to raise just under four hundred thousand dollars, which just completely blew me away, mate. That is honestly, that's that's amazing. And, and look, you're just someone that just keeps kicking goals. <laughs> pardon the pun, but don't you know you do it literally, but also figuratively as well. But mate, I, I saw on your um on your social channels whilst you're doing it that you had uh, up on the big screen some of the donations and some of the um you know just sort of the comments that when people were donating, and there was one there where uh, some kids donated their. Uh, their pocket money just to just to help out and obviously to you know to, to back what you were doing those types of messages must must be pretty special yeah it's, it's obviously not an easy time right now to to donate you know um, there's uh, so many reasons uh, the world uh, it's going on in the world at the moment that it's not easy for people but to go and sort of test myself both physically and mentally for something much greater than me for, for helping provide clean water for kids in the Pacific um, was hugely, you know, inspiring. But there's some pretty dark hours when you're kicking goals um, yeah. pretty much by yourself, a couple of volunteers coming in and out. Um, but I, on the big screen at Eden Park, there were all the donations and comments that people were leaving me and I just saw the number just getting higher and higher and it just it really did inspire me just to to keep going you know there's that little man inside my head going man it's four o'clock in the morning why don't you just go home to bed yeah I, like, I can't <laughs> like people actually don't you know donating giving some of their hard-earned money like you mentioned actually some kids giving their weekly allowance uh, their pocket money to to the cause so it um there was just so much support it was yeah it was it was incredible now i don't know if you saw my comment mate but i i, I donated and i commented and i just said i hope that you kicked a few off your opposite foot like you did against us in the world cup final <laughs> <laughs> you know what no one's supposed to see that because it doesn't look like i was showing off or anything but it was actually a bit that i a bit that i had with aaron smith and liam Messon we were talking about earlier in the tournament 
if I'd ever kicked one off my wrong foot. And I said no, but I'd love to because my my dad used to hound me about kicking off both feet, always there. So he trained me off both feet. And then they were like, oh, what if, you know, you're ahead by more than seven points in the World Cup final, <laughs> would you do it? And I was like, yeah, that, bloody oath I'd do it. Um, so Liam Messon was the T-boy that day. He ran on um, the kicking tee, goes, remember our bet? And I was like, oh, yeah, wrong foot. Yeah, sweet ass. And he goes, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. He was like, I thought I was going to miss. So I quickly lined it up and kicked it quickly. Um, and the fact that, you know, the last kick in my, um, you know, test career was off my wrong foot was almost a wee tribute to my father. So, oh, that's nice. Um, that yeah, makes so it a bit, a bit easier to take <laughs> being on the receiving yeah, end. Yeah, mate. So, yeah, I was, I was conscious of what I say here with all these Australians listening to, um, to, to this. So, uh, that, that was the reasoning um, behind it. But through the 24 hours, um, I, I kicked plenty. I was, I was on about a four to one ratio in terms of left foot to, to right foot. So, managed to smack a few um, through with, with my wrong foot. Now, Dan, it's Pete Playford here now. I'm not sure you would remember me, but I've worn a lot of your palms and had you kick over my head too many times. <laughs> but I just think the interesting thing for me, I'm not going to take it on field, but I've transitioned from rugby into fashion, and I see you've got also some similar interests. How did that come about, and how do you feel in some of those environments? Yeah, it's, um, it's a strange one, really, because I, I grew up in a little country town where... I knew nothing about fashion and there was no fashion out there. You know, I was wearing my cherry dock Martins, um, you know, with, with, you know, with my black jeans, super tight, almost like a bogan kind of look. Um, <laughs> That's now in like fashion. A, a, yeah, in old school, uh, maybe rugby jersey on, uh, on top of that. Um, but it wasn't until I started traveling with the All Blacks in the early 2000s that, um, that I started, you know, we're traveling to, to Italy, to, to France, and actually just started like noticing how well men were dressing and I was like oh man and I, and I started getting inspired by by fashion and, and just loved it um so much so I was 21 down the Champs-Élysées in Paris I was like I really want to walk into this Louis Vuitton store um so I walked in and I was wearing um, jandals or thongs whatever you, you guys call them um into it and the security guards followed me the whole and they thought I was going to steal something they're like who's this young kid and tight jeans and jandals walking into a Louis Vuitton store. So I was walking around, I had security guards following me and watching every move. The next thing I know, I was like, right, bugger them, I'm going to actually buy something. So I started trying some stuff on. Next thing you know, I was drinking champagne. <laughs> I was, uh, had, had my credit card out. I was buying all these things. Walked back to my hotel and I was like, what the hell have you just done, you idiot? You just spent like 2,000 euro Um you know, almost four to five new, um, grand New Zealand dollars just to try and prove to the security <laughs> guard that um, you're good enough to be in that shop. I was, uh, I was absolutely devastated. Um, but, yeah, I, I do. I, I love fashion. I recently just opened a um, department store uh, here in Auckland called Faraday's where we bring a lot of European uh, luxury um, brands. So, yeah. It's, I'll, have, uh, I'll yeah, have to talk absolutely. to you. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Pete's in that space. But, mate, I remember one time when we crossed paths in the fashion world. We're at the Grand Palais and uh, Victoria's Secret show up there in Paris. And we had a chat, and we, uh, you and your wife, Honor, and myself and, and Matt Giddo were having a bit of a champagne outside. We go down, like, we get escorted to our seats first. When I say we, myself and Matt Giddo, and we're like, mate, how good's this? Second row, Victoria's Secret show. There was like the weekend, there was Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga. We're just thinking, how good's this? And then, look, you've beaten us in everything in in our careers. Like, 
Bledisloe's World Cups, Super Rugby, Top 14 as well. And then along, just before the show starts, along come Dan Carter and his wife sit right in front of us first row. Like, you just don't even let us have anything, bro. Oh, mate, 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 mate. I wouldn't have even been there if it wasn't for, for you and your contact, Cannon, mate. He is the one that hooked me up. So, mate, I take all... Um, yeah, I, I need to be thanking you boys for, for that hookup. So if anyone's um, you know getting sort of one over anyone else in situations like that, it's my wife. So obviously when you get a ticket to the Victoria's Secret show, you're like, okay, right. So I've got a whole <laughs> lot of boys that would love to come to a show like that. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I want my wife to come because she'd enjoy an experience like that. So she's sort of, she's bringing me along to a Victoria's Secret show, a lot of beautiful women, Um you know, um, and then we walk, do the red carpet thing, and you know we were smiling, arm around each other. You know, going to our lingerie fashion show, and then we get to the end of the red carpet, and she's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you got this big bit of coriander in the middle of your teeth." <laughs> <laughs> so here I was posing for all these photos with her, a big cheesy grin on on my face with a big massive green uh, leaf of <laughs> coriander leaf in the, oh, in the middle of my. But too, so she is. She had to be blinded. That, that was tactical from her. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And DC, uh, one last question, and it's rugby related, but you've played across a number of teams, but I'm more interested in the club rugby and the ITM Cup. I was fortunate enough to play ITM Cup, and I understand the importance of it, but we don't have that level in Australia at the moment. But what role did that play in your development, and how much do you like uh, think that's important across New Zealand's success? Yeah, it's huge. It's provincial rugby, so it was there before the professional days. Obviously, a lot of people sort of focus on the franchises, the five uh, Super Rugby franchises here in New Zealand. So you start at amateur rugby. That's your your real traditional club, and then you're inspired to play provincial rugby. So I grew up just outside of Canterbury, obviously Crusaders, where the franchise I wanted to, to be. Uh, to play for, sorry, and then um, Canterbury was the provincial team. So with the game turning professional, um, money being in the game, a lot of people were just getting going to different franchises uh, wherever the best opportunities were to fulfil their rugby. But if you go down a level to provincial rugby, that's the grassroots. That's You actually play for that province because because that's where you're from, that's where your roots are from. You have so much more passion playing for the province that you grew up in and and then and you love so it was um there were some great battles back in um when i was a kid you know canterbury auckland ranfley shield days there's just so much history uh, with provincial rugby in in new zealand and you just can't you know you can't manufacture um you know history and the fact that it has been around for for so long so it's a great tournament obviously the yorks don't play as much in that competition anymore with the expanding international uh, rugby calendar but it is a, a huge part of the DNA of, of New Zealand rugby. And bro what's uh, what's next for, for Dan Carter you're obviously involved with the UNICEF stuff you've, like you just mentioned there you've got a depart- de- you've just uh, opened a de- department store, uh, what else is on the horizon for you mate and uh, aside from obviously a, a, an appearance at Aqua Rugby in November later in the year <laughs> Oh absolutely mate that's um yeah, that's right in on the schedule, mate. I'm just trying to work it around uh, with Northern Hemisphere trips um, to make sure it doesn't clash with um, yeah. with a bit of aqua rugby um, over in Sydney. 
Uh, it's a, you know, you boys have been through this transition. You know, mm-hmm. when you finish playing rugby and, you know, you, your sole purpose is to be the best rugby player you possibly can. So when you get out of bed, you know exactly what it is that's going to drive you that day. And when, when that gets taken away, which it did 12 months ago, um, I didn't want to jump into something quickly, a new job. I, I felt like I needed some time to, to really figure out and almost repurpose my life or what are they going to be you know, for the next 10, 20 years. So I didn't want to rush anything. I'd kind of t- taken a step back and I want to use the next year or two to just to give back. You know, I'm really fortunate that my family and I have this um, this incredible life that we live and a lot of it's off the back of sport and rugby in particular. So I feel like it's almost like my duty to, to give back to the next generation, give back to, to children in need um, and just use this transition um, to do good before I actually really fine-tune and work out what it is that's um, that's going to drive me and, and you know my purpose out now that rugby's uh, rugby's finished so um, I don't know I've got a few different businesses but I'm kind of just working out um, you know how can I make the biggest uh, impact in this next chapter of my life um, similar to, to what I was able to um, achieve on the on the footy field for for a couple of decades. Mate, you, uh, you certainly achieved plenty on the field, but you're also doing some great things off it, uh, with, especially with that sort of UNICEF stuff. Mate, thank you so much for coming on the show and having a chat with us, and we look forward to catching up throughout the year and, and uh, hopefully catch up soon in person and, and, uh, and pick up where we left off in Barcelona and have a beer together, mate. <laughs> oh, nice. Absolutely <laughs> hanging out for that. Um, cheers, boys. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. Dan Carter there on the show and go. We'll take a break. Back in just a sec. Yes, on SEN this morning, Pete Playford and Drew Mitchell for the show and go. Yeah, that's right. Our regular tragic Jimmy Galvin is over in Koh Samui at the moment. We've got a great mate and a good friend of the show, Pete Playford, in. Pete, let's just have a look at the upcoming fixtures, and it's going to kick off actually on Tuesday. How, how good's a bit of midweek rugby? Uh, the Hurricanes playing Moana Pacifica on Tuesday at 5.05 Australian time. Just a catch-up game again for the Moana Pacifica team. Tough, tough ass for these guys in terms of depth and, and, and backing up six games in three weeks. Yeah, especially in their first year in the competition mm. as well. But look, I think they've given a good a good show and this is the stuff that will, will galvanise the team. And then there's a big one, the Crusaders versus the Blues on Friday afternoon. That is going to be an absolute blockbuster. So much history in that clash and that sure to be the, the match of the round. You've got to, got to tune in for that one. Crusaders 13 plus. Oh, and then you've got the Rebels versus the Reds to finish up Friday night's activity. And then on Saturday, a 2.35 kickoff early afternoon game with the Chiefs versus Moana Pacifica, again having to back up. And you've got the Highlanders and the Hurricanes playing in the normal sort of five o'clock slot there for the New Zealand time. And then finishing out the, the weekend's rugby, the Force... Versus the Waratahs. Waratahs, fresh off the bye. You're a good friend of DC, the Darren Coleman, the coach of the Waratahs. Are you liking what you're seeing from the Waratahs this year? Yeah, I think he's he's really setting a standard and a culture that's uh, you know synonymous with the way DC coaches. And I think they'll they'll be up for it. He enjoys the bye. He goes away and he really does freshen up. And uh, yeah, they'll be ready to hit the ground running. And I expect a, a really good a good show before we enter the the second half of the season. And look, from a force perspective, like they they've not yet one at home. And it used to be such a fortress. It's a tough place to play when you got to cross the Nullarbor and you go over there. And uh, even, it's not so, the, the time difference, just even a couple of hours, just enough to throw you out a little bit, you know, just to, you're either getting up a little bit too early. Like, you know, it's just, it throws you a little bit and throws you enough. And then obviously 
playing over there. It's diff- it's just a different feel. It, it's a good place to play as well, HBF Park. It's got that sort of um, suburban type feel about it when it's full and it's the sea of blue as well. So they haven't got the results they've wanted at home, but could this be the first? Could, could they get a bit of a... You know, a Waratah team that's that's looking ahead to the Super Rugby round. Do you think that that's a, a possibility? Look, I think at the start, the force showed so much promise. So I think it's going to be a, a difficult one. And to think that we'll be saying this at the end of the year, but I feel the Waratahs are going to be too strong and, and really put their best foot forward going into that second half. All right, we'll take a break, come back and wrap things up in just a second. This is the show and go. This is the show and go. Pete Playford and Drew Mitchell. Yeah, Pete, it's been such a pleasure to have you today. We're just nearing the end of the hour and about to wrap up the show. But, mate, uh, you go right on, on the mic. And, uh, Jimmy, I look, I'm just going to throw it out there. He's going to have to look over his shoulder, I think. Nah, Jimmy's the absolute goat, and it's an honour to sit in his chair, but it's just keeping it warm, Drewy. Yeah, well, look, you will. we might, we might even get you back next week because Jimmy, like I said, he's in Koh Samui, and I, I think he's still up there getting a tan and, and just uh, just getting a bit of much-earned, R and R after a you know pretty tough slog going into Acker rugby, so we might even have you back next week. It'd be an honour. What about some closing thoughts? Maybe you got got something for us to think about? Yeah, look, I think in a game that's crying out for revenue generation, I feel there's some some elements that are being overlooked. Mm-hmm. One is that important um, third tier competition, what DC mentioned, and we can mention that next week, and also around. The role that players play in growing the game, and you look at, say, the NBA, and when are we going to not worry about the front of the jersey sponsorship, but the individuality of these players, and when is it going to be really flourished? Because I think that's when rugby will hit its full potential. That's deep. Plenty to think about through the week, and we look forward to coming back and chatting more next week on the show and go. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Pete. Don't forget crunch time up after midday as well, and the NRLW Grand Final, and the show and go back next Sunday at 10 a.m.